It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. John Worth, I'm here. It is this week's Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast. With the season finally over and with the 2020 season a few days away from starting, we have this narrow band to hand out some awards and recap 2019. Actually, the last year of the decade, but we're going to limit this just to 2019. Uh, Jamie is here. We are both in studio. And uh, Jamie, welcome. Thank you. Hello. Hi there. Um, why, don't we, uh, why don't we recap this year award style? Let's, let's keep this positive. And uh, I submit we jump right in. You ready? I'm ready. Let's start at the top. Start at the top. Yeah. Who is your... Uh, exactly. We're not going to do this Oscar style where we make people wait around. Let's get right to the uh, to the big one. Who is your uh, female and male MVP? I think you have to go with, for the men, Rafael Nadal. I don't, uh, I don't have any other choices beyond that. I mean, for him to finish as number one, the oldest year-end number one for the men, and um, it's just... It's an incredible achievement. He won the French, but he also won the U.S. Open. He finishes the year at the top, and he's pretty damn close uh, in the in the big three race there. So I don't see him finishing anytime soon, and for me, he gets my nod. He is pulled within one of Roger Federer. The last time he did that, uh, Roger Federer was up one to nothing. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think it's hard in this to depart too much from the rankings. Uh, Djokovic would obviously be the other candidate, and I guess, you know, the case would be that uh, Djokovic won two majors. Right. He beat Nadal to win one, Federer to win the other. But uh, I'm with you. I gotta gotta go with Rafa. Gotta respect the rankings. Two majors. I, he really. It's also sort of a nice narrative. I mean, he was in some real trouble. He had that blistering defeat in the Australian Open final. I remember uh, getting a call during Indian Wells. Uh, we were gonna try to patch him through for for an interview. He was home in Spain and tooling around with his boat. So uh, this this was not. Um, this was not a great spring. Left after Indian Wells, and I don't didn't play Miami. Didn't have a great clay court buildup. Right. Wins that match in Rome against Djokovic, and everything seemed to turn on that Rome result right. against. I mean, we Novak. were sitting here talking, saying, "I don't know, Could is this, this the year?" Yep. Uh, and 
It wasn't. I mean, he, again, won on the clay, and uh, he really finished out the year. He got married. I mean, he had a great year. Great year. Um, I'll I'll give you one. In 2009, 10 years ago, the top three players, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic. 2019, same big three. We'll, um, we'll get to we'll get, we'll to, get this, to that in a minute. <laughs> All right, uh, so I'm I'm with you. Uh, women, do you want to f- follow the rankings again? Uh, I'm going to go with Bianca Andreescu. Ooh, interesting. I, 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 I think you can follow the rankings here. I hesitated to put her here because she's also on my list for some of these other awards, but I, I will make my case um, just by saying I think. The fact that she is first Canadian to win a Grand Slam title, she's 8-0, undefeated in her career against top 10 players. I mean, that stat for me is truly indicative of her being such a great player. Um, And the fact that she had this injury break, kind of as we talk about Nadal, where she was sort of, we were not so sure about her. And then she really closed out the year. Maybe it's a bit of recency effect with the U.S. Open title, but interesting choice. Um, I gotta stick with the rankings. Um, and you know, and, and rescue. I, I worry, sort of uh, the you know the wheels came off a little bit at at the end of the year in in Shenzhen. We saw some injuries again. I mean, no no doubt. I mean, she she did not lose a match between I believe it was the first week of of March and then the fall. And she wins Indian Wells. Wow, that was a surprising result. Then she's Picks up where she leaves off in Miami. It doesn't complete the event because of an injury, but doesn't lose. And her play this summer was just tremendous. Uh, I got to go with Ash Barty, though, who um, really established herself as uh, as a number one. She solidified it at Shenzhen. I think that ranking is awfully well-deserved. Uh, wins Miami, wins her first major on clay, no less, which may well be her worst surface. Um, I think she discharged her duties awfully well. I think, you know, sometimes we see these quirky results um, with the WTA rankings, especially when a lot of this was a function of the Williams sisters not playing full schedules, mm-hmm. um, where the number one player wasn't clearly the best player. But I, I think these days with everyone playing a, a full boat, I mean, again, for the for the third straight year, we had four made four players win the four majors. But I think the rankings are a pretty good indicator um this year what um all right let's move on what about uh this these this is always a tough topic because we're never quite sure where to draw these dividing lines right um newcomer of the year spoiler alert is where i would put Andrescu. um but i don't i mean is is uh is medvedev a newcomer well no not really he started the year in the top 20 but he's certainly a newcomer to the top five uh new, newcomer is a strange word and I feel like we need some we need some definitions here but uh Jamie who is your newcomer of the year for 2019 I also had addressed you there we can put Coco Goff there I guess we've uh talked about her a lot on the last podcast obviously we had her on but when I was looking at the rankings I went down basically the top 20 and one name jumped out to me and then as I kind of went and did and looked at the rankings and the jumps Carolina Makova I think she had a breakout season, Mm -hmm. and I think that was kind of capped by her Wimbledon run, but plus 124 points in the rankings. So, I mean, she was outside top 100, 140-something, and now she's into the top 20, basically. She's she's number 21 in the world. So I think that's a a breakout to me. That's a newcomer because that's a name we haven't really spoken about. With uh, Rebel Wilson looking on. I don't know. Do we count Coco Goff? Is she a newcomer? I mean, restrained by age eligibility, she still finishes with a title, 
a week two performance in a major, that being Wimbledon, of course, wins in galore. I mean, she won 29 matches and top 75 ranking and, and in, in doubles as well. Yeah. Can we count her? I think we can count her. I think you can also add Amanda Anisimova in there. Um, she also had a pretty big jump. She was not outside the top 100, but pretty pretty close. Um, and she's also up into the top 25. And she had a rough year, but she right. kind of continued to climb. So I wouldn't say, not that we weren't talking about her last year. So she sort of continued her jump and uh, she won her first title. So Good year for her yeah, as well. Yeah, good year. Um, and, a, you know, a, a rough fall, but um, she'll, you know, get get it going again in, in 2020. I feel like Coco Goff uh, sort of tossed uh, Amanda Anisimova into the shadows a little bit. But uh, if but for Coco Goff, we would be talking about Amanda Anisimova yeah, as a sort of 18-year-old descending player. Uh, what about uh, on the men's side? I guess Yannick Sinner after his uh, play at, uh, at Next Gen cry with the center i mean he's, he's 18 years old and he's in the top 100 which um you know what was he number 80 now uh i guess i would go with yannick sinner who um again the last maybe 120 days of the season he's really come on strong i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, what, what about most improved? Most improved. Uh, I This is a tough one for me on the women's side, but for the men's, uh, I put Matteo Berrettini. Oh, that's good. I thought that he was, um, you know, he surprisingly finishes the year at number eight. I mean, I think, you know, maybe you also can, can kind of put him as a newcomer sort of into the conversation, but um, he started outside the top 50. He's only 23, um, and he really was quiet at the beginning of the year and then continued to yeah, he's, I mean, there, he's so. someone who would, in the Australian Open, he w- he could walk through the ground, and right. people, including journalists, and t- I mean, this is not a guy who was on really anyone's radar. Sort of one of those players, you're, you vaguely heard the name, and maybe you saw him play on an outside court, uh, you know, Big, nice-looking guy hits a big ball, but this was not someone who everybody was sort of putting their investment in the the up-and-coming Berrettini stock. And then you're right for him to make London is really quite an achievement. Um, 
I guess you could say, I mean, we're trying to figure out what to do with Medvedev, who had this terrific year and, right, you know, right. came within a few games of beating Nadal in the U.S. Open final and had that tremendous summer. He doesn't really fit squarely into any of these categories. I'm not sure he improved necessarily. It just sort of was this steady ascent he's been on. Um, as, as far as improvement, I had I had Berrettini as well. There wasn't, didn't seem to be an obvious, I mean, may, maybe we could go a little, uh, do you want to go offbeat here? Maybe yeah. maybe the one-handed backhand was the improved player of uh, of 2019. We saw three of them deployed with with great success um, in nice. London. Um, but uh, I don't know if there's an obvious. I mean, Felix. We talk about Felix, who cracked the top 20 as a teenager, and yet he didn't really have an awesome year. And I think he would be he the didn't. first. He would be the first to admit that he was quite quiet in the second half of the year. Um, so it, it it's hard to put him in there. I think you want to because I think if we go down our list and we say looking ahead to to 2020 he's he's a person that you're going to put in the conversation a little bit because he's sort of been quiet towards the end of this year but i'm not sure he fits there either we need we need another category here for like a uh it's also i mean a some performer of this, something no you're year. right i mean uh, i think what we well I'll, I'll tell you who mine is on the women and maybe that'll help but okay. um no i mean i think what something else we saw this year was that we all love the major winners, and they, they they are what they are. These these three guys are we we can't we've exhausted the store of uh, of superlatives. What goes on a level below? There are a lot of ranking points in flux, and you have a player at the U.S. Open, Denis Shapovalov. He comes in. What's the story with this guy's career? He's not even seated, and he puts together a nice fall. Doesn't necessarily blow the doors off anyone, but you know he puts together a nice fall, gets some nice wins, and suddenly he's deep inside the top twenty. Did he improve? Well, I don't, I don't know if he would consider this a smash. Certainly from a ranking standpoint, he's got to be pleased with where he ended up. Uh, Grigor Dimitrov, same thing. I mean, this guy was in danger of falling out of the top 100. He beats Federer at the U.S. Open, plays deep into week two, has has a fine fall, and Grigor Dimitrov's career is back on track. Did he have a great improved year? I don't think he would say so, but the, the ranking allotments when you don't win these majors, they come at very strange clusters. Right. I think it's hard with tennis. We're, we're so segmented. Um, you know, a bulk of everything happens during the summer, so a lot of those conversations are easy to have at that point. But when you tally in everything from January and then you're still playing basically all the way until December, it, it's hard to, um, you know, I feel like we need to do these quote-unquote year-end awards after every quarter or something because... Quarterly that, returns, just like uh, <laughs> just like Sports Illustrated. Uh, it's, it's, it's tough um, to characterize, as you're saying, you, you kind of always lean towards the major winners, but within every major, there's a most improved, there's a breakout, there's a comeback because uh, just because the way everything swings um, from major to major, surface to surface, and and month to month in this sport. You have a, uh, you have a female most improved? I, uh, I'm I'm going to say, and this might be recency effect too, but Taylor Townsend was someone who I feel like I wanted to star a little bit. Um, I thought that her little mini breakthrough at the U.S. Open was um, worth a mention. Um, uh, again, this is like, can we look at her entire year and say she deserves a, you know, breakthrough comeback award for the for the entire 2019? I'm not sure, but I think that uh, given her past and um, the fact that she had to qualify for the U.S. Open and and just kind of the whole um, emotions surrounding everything in all of those matches. I feel like she deserved a little bit of a mention here. I'm totally with you. Taylor Townsend is one of those players that makes it very hard to be neutral. <laughs> if you don't root for her for all sorts of reasons, uh, some of them her backstory, some of them simply her style, some of them uh, her, her social media game, 
Um, she's different. You? She's fun. I'm with her. My, mine was, uh, which is sort of the more conventional, most improved. Um, Al- Allie Risk, closing yeah. in on age 30, career high in the rankings, you know, takes down Ash Barty, who was a top seed at Wimbledon, into the top 20. Allie Risk is, I think that's a more conventional, most improved. Someone who's always been a nice player. She's excelled on grass, good athlete, and really put it together this year and um, ended up, uh, and she doesn't necessarily defend a ton. I mean, Allie Risk, it's not out of the question, could be a, a top 10 player by uh, by Indian Wells Miami and got married as well. Um, Sonia Cannon's a player who's now mm-hmm. in the top 15. Again, I don't know if that's a breakthrough. I don't know if that's improvement so much as that's just sort of a steady climb up the charts. It's not as though she, she had a great setback or this bit of adversity that she had to overcome, but uh, Sonia Kennan is, is there as well. Um, all right, what about... Um, I see this as very male-heavy, this next category. Comeback Player of the Year. Who do you have? Um... This one was hard for me, too. I, I wrote down two names that I'm not sure necessarily characterized, but I wrote down Stan Wawrinka, and I wrote down Belinda Bencic. Oh, good. I had two, uh, you and your Swiss bias show again. <laughs> um, Bencic was my women's yeah. choice as well. I, I think that's fair. I think that's uh, a good say. I think we missed her on tour, and she really did come back and you know had that injury, and she came back really strong this year. 22 years old. Already a comeback winner. Um, I went with Joe Sanga, who I think very nice. quietly put together an awfully nice year in his mid thirties, uh, husband, father, and um, won won three titles. Nice to see him still playing at a high level again. One of the good guys, Dan Evans. Do you do you uh, here? Here's a philosophical point to consider: Can you be comeback player of the year when the adversity was your own doing? <laughs> Uh, which was the case with Dan Evans, but still back in the top I think fifty. Tiger good for Woods him. has proven that. Yeah, he can exactly. Do that. <laughs> uh, we just need some some time and sympathy. Uh, nice year for Dan Evans. Andre Rublev was a player who was really struggling with some back injuries, and he later put in on no no Rubens Instagram feed had some sort of uh, emotional fraying as well, and uh, came back turning a very solid year. I also uh, off the off the menu. I would go with uh, I go with doubles. Nice comeback year for doubles. Um, the Bryan brothers uh, have announced this will be their last year. The Bryan brothers uh, did not win a major this year. The, we'll talk about dominant team in a second. But uh, nice year for doubles. We saw a lot of players. Um, Indian Wells is always the obvious, the first place we go for this, for a tournament where the top singles players play alongside a partner. But there were a lot of fun doubles matches, yeah. a lot of singles players playing doubles, a lot of players like Sitsipas, who it wasn't going to be week in, week out, but, you know, 8, 10, 12 times a year, he would play alongside a partner. Everyone wins when that happens. I thought doubles got a little bit of uh, the short shrift, certainly from a publicity standpoint at London. Uh, we didn't hear much about those results. But um, I think doubles had a very nice year um, on the men's side and, and the women's side, women's side as well. I agree. I mean, you look at... Ash Barty, you talk about her as your MVP, and that's doubles is probably another reason why she deserves that. And she's teaming up with Azarenka, and the fact that she can finish the year number one and and still kind of be pretty active in doubles is impressive. Um, all the more reason to like uh, Ash Barty. Not often you see a uh, a women's doubles team not named Williams, where both players have won singles majors, as is the case with with Barty Azarenka. What about? Um, did you have a favorite match this year? I think how could you not uh, Wimbledon final Federer Djokovic? Yeah, no? no, I think you're right, and I I think um, that the hardcore tennis fans can can pick some amazing match from a Tuesday 
in Houston. Of course. I, I think you've got to. I think when we talk about the great matches, I think you're right. You need a momentous occasion. I mean, the, there's just a lot of weird things about that match that sort of make it memorable. I mean, if we're saying... Oh, best, I, think you're, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, best match right. of the year. I mean, it was just a... Scratching, clawing kind of match. Um, you know, weird, weird rhythms. This weird. is a tiebreaker. I mean, it, it was just—it's crazy. The—I mean, we also—we we will stress this again—that the two major swing that rested on the result, right? I mean, uh, that one serve that Federer hits that clips the tape. Djokovic had guessed wrong. If that serve finds its spot and doesn't hit the net, we're talking about a not—not not just. Federer wins Wimbledon, and uh, it's a completely different narrative, and it's a different narrative for Djokovic's season. I mean, think about what that win meant for Djokovic right. this year. If, if Djokovic does not win that Wimbledon final, how does he reflect on his 2019? Well, he won Australia, and then after that, it was a lot of disappointment, some strange off-court stuff, the ATP Tour hijinks. Um, that Wimbledon match really, in some ways, in a strange thing to say about a guy with, with 16 majors that salvaged his season. Him, yeah. Um, no, I mean, looking back. No, I think you're right. In 30 years, if we, you know, do some long documentary about the big three, it's this nuts. match is this match is in there. The, the, it has to be. Yep. No, um, and, and so all, these ma- all these matches are two major swings. So if Nadal closes out that break at the 2017 Australian Open final against Federer, he could be in the lead for all-time majors right now. If Djokovic was making his overheads that day at the French Open against Nadal five years ago, he could have had, you know, it could have been eighteen, seventeen. It's it's just crazy to go back and play these sort of uh, sliding door scenarios. And I think on the flip side, you talk about the impact on Djokovic. I'm not sure we have actually truly seen the impact that that match has had on Federer. Um, mm-hmm. I think that will come to fruition in 2020. I think we'll really see. I mean, we heard him say that that really affected him and that he, you know, kind of had to step away and, and it, you know, he continued to think about it, which is not something we typically hear um, from, from Federer. You know, he's pretty, you know, close the door on the locker room and, and head to dinner with, with the family. So the fact that he was opening up about that being really impactful on him, um, I think we're still going to see how, how that final shakes out for him. Um, when he beat Djokovic last week in London, and played that that's as well as I've seen him play in, in recent memory. You sort of said, ah, oh, this this was the exorcism. Um I'm not sure. Then he that. lost it. Yeah, I know. And it, it's also again, say it again. Best of three versus yeah, best I, of five. Exactly. I don't I don't for some reason, uh But I think it was important to show he could still beat this guy. Yeah, I agree. I mean you want to talk about matches of the year, uh, as of late, I mean the fact that Dominic Team beat Djokovic in the ATP finals. Hard, on hard mm-hmm. courts, that match was pretty damn good too. But again, uh, I'm not sure how much weight we can put on these year-end finals. We we talked about it with with Mark Knowles. The the fact that there are just so many things weighing on the players and it's at the that end stage of the, of the year, year. Yeah, I yeah. just I'm not sure that it really um, means a whole lot in, in the greater scheme of things, especially with certain players. I mean, they have to be thinking the same way. Right. No, I mean those those three guys are playing for majors right now. Um, you mentioned Dominic Team. I would put Dominic Team beating Djokovic in that very, very strange two-day match at the French Open when Djokovic uh, may or may not have just gotten in his car and left and, and dared the tournament to do anything about it. Um, I, I also, I mean, I think you're right. I had the same match of the year as you did, mostly because of the history at stake, the Wimbledon final. But, but I also thought that Nadal Medvedev U.S. Open final was just thoroughly enjoyable yeah, as a sporting yes. event, and and it's it's nice when these events end without 
an absolutely disconsolate loser. I mean, Medvedev was a good sport about it. It was a great day for him. He really pressed the guy with 19 slams on the other side of the net. Uh, it was sort of one of those sporting events where, in, in a way, everybody goes home happy. Uh, did you have a women's match? Um, it was a little harder for me. I think uh, the Osaka uh, Kvitova. The Australian Open final. Australian Open final yeah. um, was was pretty good. Pretty damn good. <laughs> Um, doubles team of the year. Let's give doubles some love. Let's uh, let's stress again. Bob and Mike Bryant announced uh, on Tennis Channel that 2020 would be their final year. I think they turned. They're 41. 41. I should look that up. I think they turned 42 in 2020. That's are amazing. You, uh, are you? What's your prediction for them for 2020? I think. I mean, du- doubles can be such a crapshoot in a lot of ways w- within the match itself, but also who's healthy, who's partnering with whom. 42 is a big number, um, and they're spouses and kids and life changes to go with it but I, I think the fact that they've really committed to making this their final year and I think they want to walk off into the sunset um they've retired from Davis Cup I don't necessarily think that um Mike in particular is gonna I mean that the thinking at one point was that might Mike stay might Mike stay with another partner it doesn't seem like that's the case I think they can be competitive and so much can happen in doubles and their track record speaks for itself I wouldn't be surprised if they picked off another major um but who's, who's your team for? Well, you go first. Twenty. I, I got to follow the rankings on this for twenty nineteen. Uh, the Colombians, uh, Caban Ferra, um, via USC. I I got to. Uh, I think I got to go straight with the rankings this time. Two and, straight um, Grand Slam titles. I mean, yeah, one more. That, one more that, yeah. That, I had them there. Exactly. Um, I thought I thought we could give a shout out to um, Jamie Murray and Bethany Maddox Sands. Oh, nice. I we I feel like mixed, mixed doubles gets um. Not as much love. Right. We don't talk about doubles having a comeback. Mixed doubles needs a comeback. Um, I thought, uh, you know, it was good at the U.S. Open. Again, maybe some recency effect here. But uh, nice to see Bethany Maddox-Sands kind of back on the court. Um, and, yeah, a little shout-out. Good good shout-out. As long as we're talking Murrays and shout-outs, should we have considered Andy for uh, Comeback Player of the Year? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, That's such a strange story. It's all within all well, confined to a year. I'm I'm thinking he's our 2020 front runner for comeback player of the year. Maybe maybe he fits Andy. into to story of the year, which is a very open category. But I oh, mean, uh, we can let's jump there. All right, just what, if, uh, while, while we're here, essentially retired, and yeah, then I, we we all saw the uh, we all saw the compendium video. I mean, that was a weird thing. I mean, you wrote it. We saw the videos. We saw the highlight reels. We heard everything and. All of a sudden, I I think that just took on a momentum of its own, and I think he was very distressed, quite quite reasonably, quite rightly, Andy Murray, when he was there in Melbourne and his body just wasn't cooperating, and he'd had it. He's got a wife, his kids at home, and said, you know, enough is enough. I I wrote this too. I think it was relevant that this happened against Djokovic, who's the player born within a few weeks of him, who he's often compared. If this were a practice session against, uh, you know, Marius Kopel, maybe he thinks differently. But the fact that it was Djokovic on the other right, side of right. the net is the benchmark. And all of a sudden they start filming their tribute videos and you get the feeling it was uh, the runaway. Tri- you know, so it was, you know, Huck Finn, this Tom Sawyer at his own funeral. Um, and then Andy Murray sort of says, well, you know, maybe we'll give this thing a shot. Maybe we'll try this out at Wimbledon uh, playing, playing doubles and mixed doubles. Then he sachets to singles and suddenly he's winning titles in Belgium and uh and here we are I, I think Andy Murray is our uh, front runner as comeback player for 2020 so let's let's acknowledge him but um we didn't do women's doubles follow the rankings we'll do Bob Ocean and Mladenovic um who uh pretty much the best in the business coach of the year 
I had kind I of had, a weird one, right? It is a weird one. Um, I think you can pick Andrescu's coach. Um, I think that's a a fair choice. But I I, I also was thinking um, that Torben Belts with Ooh, Donna Donna Vekic, interesting. Formerly with uh, Angie Kerber was Torben yeah. Belts. That's interesting. Uh, Donna Vekic. Nice solid year. Um, I, I feel like Donovan still has sort of a, a hump to get over. All the the game is there, but uh, that's a, that's an interesting interesting she's, choice. Uh, I'll give to, you that. She's into the top twenty career high. Uh, you know, um, solid. Nice player to watch. I. Um, what about you? Friend of the friend of the. Uh, Friend of the mailbag, Donna Vekic. Uh, coach of the year. I'll go with uh, the you mentioned already, Sylvain Bruno, who uh, coached Andrescu, the Canadian. Also, uh, men's side, how about Gilles Servara, who has the uh, the difficult uh, challenge of somehow keeping Medvedev in check. But uh, he, he did awfully well this, um, this summer and fall. And, and Medvedev suddenly becomes an interesting player in 2020. Is this guy... For real, did he have this amazing hot streak? Did he have this magic 120 days? Or is this guy really, you know, I, I think people tend to look at him now perhaps as the best player not to have uh, yeah. won a major all of a sudden. I think injuries are going to be a big thing for him mm-hmm. in 2020. I think if he can stay healthy, I think, you know, the answer is yes. He's he's the real deal because he will continue to have results. My worry is that he did play an awfully lot this year and if he does not take care of his body and you know he comes back and all of a sudden he loses a few matches and then he's adding a few more things to the calendar and then all of a sudden there's an injury or something there could be an unraveling there uh that goes in the complete opposite direction so i think um he's still a little bit of a question mark um we'll see it's a good it's a good one to watch for 2020 pulled uh pulled out a davis cup i mean i think one thing going in his favor is that hot streak really began after wimbledon so, you know, he he was uh, a week two player at the Australian Open, played a very nice match against Djokovic, but didn't do a ton. Lost in the first round of the French Open. So it's not as though he needs to start January 1st in defense mode in terms of points. So, um, so that's actually he can play himself into uh, right. into shape. Uh, I also well, feel, I feel like with uh, with these coaches of the year. Do we not need to give a nod to the coaches of the number one players? <laughs> in this case, uh, Carlos Moya, who who I think is really secretly and, and without beating his chest has added dimensions in the Dolls game and uh, and Craig Tizer, the Australian who coaches Ash Barty. For sure. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, quote of the year. I just want to uh, I want to read this quote that I came across with uh, Coco Goff. Um, a lot of good quotes this year. Djokovic post Wimbledon was a quote machine. Taylor <laughs> Townsend at the U.S. Open, but uh, this is Coco Goff 
And you'll re- you remember this moment where she has this overhyped match against Naomi Osaka. Big stadium, ESPN goes crazy on this match, and it wasn't particularly competitive. It looked like what it was, which is uh, you know a, a junior player against uh, the defending champion. And Coco Goff was distraught and maybe a little bit embarrassed. And Naomi Osaka, very gamely, encouraged her to sort of take in the moment, and you'll get me next time. And Coco Goff says... Age 15, no coaching, no nothing. I mean, hey, this is this is her response. For me, the definition of an athlete is someone who on the court treats you like your worst enemy, but off the court can be your best friend. I think that's what she did tonight. Um, all credit to Naomi Osaka, who is the recipient and the subject of that sentence. But what an awfully nice quote from Coco Goff to uh, phrase the moment. That is a 15-year-old, and that's a, a nice... That's bit of a wisdom. Nice, I think it's a lovely warm quote. Warm and fuzzy quote for um, us. I, I you, 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 you led right into my act of sportsmanship. Um, that was what I had wrote down for. I, I, you know, wouldn't say it was necessarily sportsmanship in terms of gamemanship and you know in the heat of the match. But that post-match interview and that whole situation, you, you, you said the quote. I think that has to rank as one of the top moments of the year. There is a think piece to be written there, especially given that Naomi Osaka, um, what her sort of previous encounter with exactly. that court and that crowd on a big stage was, and then um, sort of turning the tables and making sure that everyone uh, everyone went home happy. Did um, you have one for that category? An active sportsmanship. Yeah. The Osaka one sticks. Um, I top of my head. Hey, well, here's one for you. Uh, Sloane Stevens beats Petra Martic in the Australian Open. And uh, Martich probably should have won that match. I think she had a lead in the third set and, and couldn't seal it. And there are a million cameras at the Australian Open, which are great fun for those of us in TV. You can always watch players on the exercise bike, and there have been a lot of moments. You know, Roger Federer before a match. Um, but the cameras caught Petra Martich very distraught and crying after that match and after not uh, converting that lead against Sloane Stevens. And Sloane Stevens, who won the match, was furious and called out the tournament and said, listen, you need to respect us a little bit. And my opponent was having uh, a moment. Why did you have to uh, roll the cameras? You have to at least tell us where the cameras are positioned so we can act accordingly. I thought that was a really nice bit of uh, solicitude. And I I think larger theme in terms of sportsmanship, on the women's side especially, there really does seem to be a lot more warmth and sense of community and, and sense of collegiality in the women's locker room than I can recall. I mean, I don't know if you caught that when Coco Goff talked about that. She said, look, these players are twice my age. I mean, I'm not necessarily talking about engagement rings with them, but everyone's nice and respectful. That's something you hear again and again. I think some of that's probably the field getting older. Uh, I think some of that might be parity. I think some of that might be the fact that the players really are aligned um, against the tournaments and maybe sort of the finances has created this collective consciousness, but just sort of overall sportsmanship. I think there's a lot more warmth in, in both locker rooms, but the women's in in particular than I can recall. Hmm, That's a good point. Um, All right. Story of the year for 2019. What do you got? I think we haven't mentioned her once really on this podcast. And I think this is maybe a story or a non-story, but Serena not getting. Oh, Serena. Not getting to 24 this year um, is pretty remarkable for me. And I think uh, the fact that she had the chances, she had the setup, um, it it definitely ranks high for me as a story of the year or non-story, whatever it is. But it will, I think, be one of those things, as we say, that rolls into 2020 as one of the biggest things we're going to look out for. Um, 
Totally agree. And it's not just that she didn't get to 24, but she was right on the threshold. Yeah, that's that, I mean, that's 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 the biggest thing. I mean, she's been to four major finals in the last, you know, what is it, 16 months, is 0-4. At the Australian Open, she had a very good chance to uh, get to another final, and, and she rolled her ankle. But, um, no, it's not often you see Serena Williams get this close to achieving something I mean, handed and fall short. On a silver platter, the, the opportunities were there, and I think the biggest thing about that storyline is that truly wasn't her opponent in most of those situations you know you can hats off to her opponents there but there there was times in those matches where it was most definitely Serena and her mind and she was fighting against that and the fact that that has been what has elevated her to even get to this point of, of all these major titles and now that's sort of keeping her back is crazy yeah and sometimes we have this this artificial distinction like did she win or did a, did her opponent lose and I think a lot of times they play off each other so at Wimbledon final Simona Hollop played the match of her life brilliant tennis statistically it was brilliant aesthetically I mean they passed the eye test but when Serena Williams gets off to a slow start and looks palpably nervous it doesn't look like she's moving as well you can open up and you are suddenly freed and divorced from some of the pressure so I, I think a lot of times we sort of have this fairly simplistic discussion about did, did Serena lose or did the opponent, you know, zone? I think they play off each other um, a lot. But no, I think you're right. I mean, the, the flip side is Serena Williams, 38 years old, and of course is a mother, and she's still coming within two sets of winning majors. So, I mean, I, if, if I'm in Serena's camp, there's a sort of an easy way to spin this. If she were losing in round three and, and looking like she were right. on the rocking chair tour, you, you sort of maybe... <laughs> have a heart-to-heart with her, but I think the heart-to-heart now is, look, you are really, really close. There are matches in the course of this tournament where you look like Serena Williams circa 2003. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's uh, I mean, that's sort of, that's one of my big stories for 2020. Um, I think you're right. I mean, I think on the men's side, macro stories, big, big, big three. three keeps rolling. Yeah. And uh, we can wonder where... Uh, you know, we, we, can, we can wonder why nobody has toppled these three kings, but the truth of the matter, like I said, 2009, it's crazy. these guys won two, three in the rankings. 2010, these guys are three, two, one in the rankings. So, um, yeah. Um, so long, farewell, Thomas Burdick, which I, I think sort of, I mean, in guy hasn't been a factor for two years. He's had back problems. He's north right. of 30, but still, that was a bit of a surprise. And Dominica Sibokova. And Sibokova, exactly. Um Nicholas Almagro, Max Mirny, um, who else? Tim Smicek, Bagdadis, Eugenie, uh, a lot of good players um, saying farewell. farewell. We'll see uh, how many of them will pull a Kim Kleisters and reconsider their their, their retirement. Nothing wrong with that, especially in an individual sport. All right, finally, let's... uh, Let's spin this to uh, 2020. Big big stories you're looking for as we start not just a new year, Jamie, but a new decade. A new decade. I mean, I think we said it. I think can the big three continue or will, uh, you know, the newcomers finally, finally, finally break through and win a major? We've been saying this for a long time. Uh, I think on the women's side, we talk about Serena. And on the flip side of that, I think you – one of the storylines that will continue is just the newcomers uh in in the young players you've got 18 19 22 23 year olds ash Barty at the top of the rankings um those are all and andy murray andy murray's an interesting uh sort of wild card 
for a rough tweet. No, but I, I think um, I mean I think the sport is actually kind of transitioning awfully well. I mean, for years and years we've been saying, boy, this sport is really in for a reckoning when there's no big three and no Serena Williams. And I think um, you know Maria Sharapova might have been a bit of a dry run here, where yeah, you know you, you probably sell some some extra tickets and you have a little more attention when she's in the mix, but. She's sort of transitions a bit to uh, the background. And you know what? Other players fill the vacuum. And as long as they're still handing out trophies on the second Sunday, people are still going to watch. There's still a lot of opportunity. It may take us a while to uh, warm to Matteo Berrettini the way we, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Berrettini-Dominic team French Open final might not be Federer Nadal. But you know what? Uh, the sport persists. And um it will be interesting to see if, I mean, we haven't had a non-Big 3 major winner since the 2016 U.S. Open. Hmm. So we're, we're up to 12 straight now. And on the women's side, uh, I think you're right. We have a lot of different players winning. We'll see who has staying power. I mean, again, Naomi Osaka was, it was a terrific story in part because she won back-to-back majors. And we'll see. Andrescu, I mean, again, Simona Halep has something to build on. Ash Barty's now number one. Naomi Osaka will be going for her third major and then all of this looms in, in concert with Serena Williams, who is still chasing 24. Bless her. It's exciting. Good uh, good storylines. <laughs> all right. Good. I think good year overall for tennis. Um, old, new, some consistency, some familiar faces, some breakthroughs. Not a lot in the controversy department. Um, I think good good 2019 overall for, uh, for tennis, at least on the court. Yeah. Makes for an exciting 2020. So New decade. All right. Uh, that does it for this week. Those are our, this is our award show for uh, tennis in the year 2019. Thanks, as always, to Jamie. We've handed out all the hardware. All the Thank hardware. Um, all right, we'll do it again next week. We will have uh, potentially an in-studio guest. Uh, I'm John Wertheim. She's Jamie Lasanti. Leave a review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are sold, and uh, have a good week, and we will uh, see you next week. Mm-hmm.